Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci, and remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Mike Regina for the intro music and to Nicole Thompson for the wonderful intro. We have a lot to discuss uh, on this episode, so let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? I feel like you might be a little bit scared. You're going to thank them at the beginning of every show now. I know we forgot, but man, you seem like they sent you a letter in the mail that, hey, do this or else. Oh, we got to give shout outs. That's what we do. We're giving shout outs to, you know, the shout people out. that support us. Come on, man. <laughs> shout out to those two people. All right. Okay. What, we got, what we got on the schedule to talk All about right, today? Well, we got to first start, JT, with the biggest story from this past weekend. That was Dak Prescott's gruesome injury. Sorry to see it. He suffered a compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle that required surgery. And needless to say, he is out for the year. So, JT, as soon as it happened, I know you and I discussed a little bit about this, as well as everyone else in the media. Did he make a mistake during contract negotiations and not signing a long-term deal, but instead playing on the franchise tag? It's hard. If you're just talking strictly about Dak, it's hard to say, all right, he made a mistake because we're playing Monday morning quarterback. That's essentially what we're doing because we've seen guys better themselves, especially at the quarterback position and, you know, come through on the other side, just fine. But in hindsight, yes, if, there was a deal as big as the one that was rumored to be out there, something like $100 million, and he didn't take it. Yes, it looks bad in hindsight. But if you want to blame anybody, because I know a lot of people in the moment are going to be upset, they're going to want to blame Jerry Jones and the Cowboys for being greedy, not paying this man. At the end of the day, I think you got to blame the agent because that's your job as an agent to instruct your client what's in his best interest. I'm sorry. And this is before Mahomes got his $500 million deal. So you didn't know at the time when he supposedly turned this deal down in the offseason, you didn't know what the next big contract was going to look at and look like. Nobody thought it was going to be $500 million like Mahomes got. You, got. you got that kind of money on the table? The NFL, man, take it. Obviously, he sees now, you know, tomorrow is not guaranteed. He might never be the same again. You know, he might never make a recovery. But it just, I just feel bad for him overall. But the agent, the agent's got to feel like the worst person in the room right now because you let your client down in the worst way. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. You're right there. I, I think at some point, though, I, I don't really blame the agent, and I don't blame Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones because they're they're looking out for their business, trying to make the most financially um, smart decision. I you got to look at Dak here because. Did he make a mistake? Ooh. I think I told you that 
he should obviously get as much as he can. But I'm pretty sure I told you once he hit that hundred million in guaranteed money in reports are he turned down a five-year deal at $35 million a year with 110 million in guarantees, which included in those guarantees, a $50 million signing bonus in 70 million over the first two years. So while 31.4 million on the franchise tag is great, once I think you hit, especially in football, JT, you hit $100 million or more in guarantees, you Game take over. It. You take it. It's game yeah. over. Even at the quarterback position, because you say, oh, they don't get as injured like a running back. That's true. Well, it's, I don't know well, statistically that's true. But things well, it's like a, this. It's, it's a brutal game. I, I get it. And I, I want to kind of walk that back. It's not that I'm, I'm saying, like, oh, you know, because he plays quarterback, he's never going to get hurt. It's that if you're going to make that type of gamble with that much on the line, and you want to take the risk, quarterback is the position like you'll probably yeah. say like it's a calculated risk. The odds that I make it through the season without a major injury are, you know, are are pretty high for me to make it through the season without that happening. Yeah, that I agree with. But still, once you get to the $100 because we talked about this off air and we talked about at the time Mahomes signed. $150 million was what he got guaranteed. So if Dak was getting $110 that's only $40 million less. And guess what? Mahomes has an MVP and a Super Bowl. I think Dak was getting there, but at that time he wasn't. Now, you got to remember, this was like a year and a half ago when they tried to do this deal. So It was last uh, offseason. Right, last offseason and even you know, going into that um, prior season too, going into to 2019. So he passed up a lot of money. Do I blame him? No, because you want to get everything you can – but did he make a mistake? Uh, I mean, yes, looking back at it, it's easy to say yes. But even at the time, I was saying $100 million, you got to take it. Um, but I, we hope I, he can bounce back. Yeah, yeah, I hope he can bounce and back. And get that contract. So that leads me to the next question, JT. Do you think he will bounce back? Initially, when we both saw this, I'm like, oh, he's done. It mm-hmm. just looks so bad. But then, you know – you start listening to the professionals. I, I said this to you when we were talking on the phone immediately after this. And, you know, we start looking at the video. I'm like, yeah, it looks like a dislocation, maybe some fractures. I think he can come back from it because, I mean, I know his game is about mobility. But at the end of the day, he's really an accurate passer. So I think he can dial back the running some. And if he can just stay, you know, somewhat mobile, um, I think that, you know, he can bounce back. And you, I mean, and let's, let's face it, we've seen quarterbacks that have played at elite levels bounce back from injury. I mean, Carson Wentz has come back. I mean, he's not having the best year, but he still looks he still looks like a good quarterback. Tom Brady shredded his knee. I mean, he went on to become the GOAT. Ben Roethlisberger has come back from injury. You know, quarterbacks, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has come back from countless injuries that have ended his season. So it's not like we haven't seen quarterbacks come back from injuries that have been devastating before. But I think if anybody can do it, it's him. I, I think the answer is going to come based on the recovery. You know, Alex Smith went through 17 additional surgeries. But that, and- but that was different, though. Like, that, that injury was just a totally different type of injury. This is an ankle where, I mean, Smith's whole leg was just shattered, both, both top and the bottom. Right. But it's not to say that infections can't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it – it doesn't have quite the flexibility or 
what he could do before, right? Because that's what made Dak even more special was like that Ben Roethlisberger thing. Tough to bring down. Escapability. Mobile, escapability, right? I mean, that play call was a design run. So now you're taking that arsenal away in how effective can he be? Now, the question is, will he come back? Well, the question is, will he bounce back? I think he'll come back as far as bouncing back to where he was. I think it's going to take time. And does he continue to improve? That's the thing, JT. Every year he's been getting better and better. Now, does this set him back? So I'm looking at as far as contract terms, I don't know if he bounces back in the same way that he can automatically demand 35 to 40 million. I think, uh, I I think someone's going to want to see what he can do and how his recovery went. I see where you're going with it, but at the end of the day, this is what's going to happen. He's going he's gonna to do his off-season training, his rehab. The doctors are going to clear him. They're going to give him that 100% bill of health. Then teams across the league are going to look at their quarterback situation and say, you know what? Uh, I want to win games. I know for sure if I put that guy in charge of my team, that will at least be competitive. So he'll, if you're a quarterback and you already have tape proven that you can play in this league, you'll always have a job. Somebody will pay him. But he technically could be franchise tagged a second year, which would mean $37 million. Now, I think the Cowboys would have to do some, as you like to call it, salary cap manipulation to probably fit him under that second year franchise tag. So he may have to prove himself again, JT, and now on a bad, not I shouldn't say bad, but now on a surgically repaired ankle. It's a bad ankle, yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm not sure if he bounces back, like I said, to the level that he was, he was improving to, that he was, you know, his, his trajectory was – Sky high. I mean, it was. It was MVP. It was climbing. MVP trajectory. Yep. It was climbing. So I do worry, um, but we do. Right. We both like him. We both hope that he. All right. Before we go back. on to the next one, we'll do this. You think he's going to be franchise tag? I actually think what's going to happen is if he makes a full recovery, him and the Cowboys will be more than happy to get a below market deal done. No. Why would he do it at that point? He already bet on himself once. Now there's the injury. He he's. He, he has nothing to lose at this point. Why so, settle? So hold on, hold on. Yes or no answer. If he, come, if he comes back fully healthy next season and before the season starts, they offer him that same exact deal that he turned down. You think he's saying, no, I'm going to bid on myself again and just play on the franchise tag? At that point, I would because I said first two years is $70 million, nah, right? He ain't, at, he ain't, at that he ain't, point, turn, he ain't turning down $100 million twice. No way. I, I think he does. He plays one more year. There's no way they franchise tag him a third year, and then he gets his money. If he truly believes him, don't back down now. Double down, Dak, because you believed in yourself the first time knowing this could happen. Just because it happened doesn't mean your skills have diminished. Dak, you went to Vegas, you were up with a good hand, and then you lost it. Don't make the same mistake twice. Get your it's money. Not, it's not Vegas. You're not betting against the house. You're betting on yourself, which the is house different than is Vegas. The house time. Let's go. He's young. He's young. He's not Tom Brady old. Come on, man. All right, let's, let's stay in the NFL. Atlanta Falcons. I'm pretty sure I called this a couple episodes ago of who would get fired or should be fired. Ooh, he called the coach that was 0-4 <laughs> notoriously a choker. He said after, that coach was going to get fired. After, you are a genius. I cannot wait until ESPN comes and hires you away from the show. They need geniuses like you on air. 
Thank you. I'll bring you with me. After an 0-5 start, the Falcons fired head coach Dan Quinn and general manager Thomas Dimitrov. Quinn was in his sixth season and finished his time in Atlanta with a 43-42 record. Raheem Morris will take over interim coach duty. So, JT, what went wrong with the Falcons and Dan Quinn? They lost Kyle Shanahan to the 49ers. And Dan Quinn proved that he is the typical coordinator that gets overmatched and exposed as a head coach in the NFL. And that's exactly what happened. He probably had the most epic collapses multiple times. Just this season alone, if you look at the, the games they've lost, horrible fashion. Of course, we go back to the Super Bowl against the Patriots up 28-3. to They blew that. It, he just consistently just got out outdone in every way by the whoever the guy was coaching on the other end of the sideline. So it was time for him to go. And then he came there as a defensive guy, and the defense was never good. They were never competitive. I don't know one impact defender that Atlanta has had since he's been the head coach. Uh, is, that, is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. It looked like you wanted to say some more, but – We don't have enough time, but yeah. Okay. It, this this is an easy answer. Super Bowl fifty one, twenty eight to three, they win that. But we, he had been to he'd been to two NFC championship games, right? As a defensive coordinator? No, as a coach with Atlanta. Uh, I I don't. You mean prior to the Super Bowl? Or was it Dimitrov that was in? I think in Dimitrov because yeah, Dimitrov that's had yeah, been Dimitrov. there since 08. Mm-hmm. Dimitrov had been there since 08. Um and so if. And I don't know if he went the two or not, Dimitrov. But anyway, if they win that Super Bowl, they put the Patriots away. I think we, the fans, and Arthur Blank look at Dan Quinn differently. And they probably don't go 0-5 to start here. There's probably no talk of him being fired. Maybe the Falcons end up getting back. Maybe they beat the Eagles that following year in the NFC Divisional game. Uh, So – a lot of things I think would have turned out differently had they hung on to that 28 to three. So what went wrong? Super Bowl 51 is one went wrong for Dan Quinn and basically has to live with that um, on his, on his record, on his coaching resume. So JT, now we're going to do the same thing that we did for the Texans, for the Falcons. Let's help them out. Who should they hire as their next head coach? As long as it's not Adam Gase, that'll be a good move. No, in all seriousness, it's got to be Eric Bieniemy. I'm going to keep saying it until the guy gets a job. Okay, hey, I love how you're Kansas doubling City down Chiefs, on him. Offensive coordinator, top offense in the league since, shoot, la- at least the last three years. I mean, I don't understand how this guy doesn't have a job unless he doesn't want one. But, hey, Bieniemy, look, Texans, Falcons, I like this job even better. You got a franchise quarterback at both locations. You are the perfect fit. And I'll double down with my uh, with my other recommendation. Thomas Dimitrov got fired too. GM, bring in your boy, Lewis Riddick. I think wherever those two go, if they go together, I think it's going to be a good fit. So I'm, I'm going to throw three names out here because the Falcons need. If you throw as- in Dabo Sweeney, I'm done. <laughs> no, I'm not. The Falcons need as many possible candidates to get this right. My first one, in no particular order, but maybe. Byron Leftwich, all right, already in the NFC South. 
an offensive guy, helped Jameis Winston out a lot last year outside of the interceptions. All right, they had a, a very successful offense last year in Tampa Bay. And I think QBs respect them. And I think Matt Ryan, if Leftwich comes in, Matt Ryan's still there. I think and believe mm-hmm. Matt Ryan will instantly respect him and actually listen to him. Yeah, I can see that. The other one of the other guys, Arthur Smith. Do you know who Arthur Smith is, JT? You're gonna tell me. Yeah, I didn't know either until I did a little bit of research. He's the Titans offensive coordinator. No one talks about oh, this guy. I thought the Titans offensive coordinator was Derrick Henry. Oh, I'm glad you told me. Uh, it's not Derrick Henry, believe it or not. And it's not Ryan Tannehill either. But he has used those guys' talents, all right, to build an offensive system that is scoring points. We may not think of the Titans as, oh, the Saints or that Rams offense from a couple years ago or the Chiefs or the Ravens offense like Greg Roman's doing. No. He is taking what he has, and he's making an offensive system out of it, and they're putting points up. And listen, they're not flashy. I didn't know who he was. I'm not a huge fan of the Titans offense, but they're starting to make a believer out of me. And I think that's what you need as a head coach who basically is not forcing his system on players, but he's using their talents in building he's the system. He's tailoring the system to the guys, yeah. Ex- exactly, exactly. And then the other guy, somewhat of a long shot, but it depends on if they get Trevor Lawrence. Tony Elliott, the Clemson offensive coordinator. The only thing that would worry me there is lack of head coaching experience. But if him and Trevor Lawrence are close and the Falcons get the number one overall pick, I think you bring in Tony Elliott then. Um, then I you believe really, you really went way outside the box for the Falcons, but I, I'll give you credit for those. Did not right, think then. you were going there. I like the left which one because of what you said, and he's a quarterback guy. Um, I think what really will help the Falcons though is we're you're absolutely right. They have to nail the coach, and I think they have the head coach for that team has to be an offensive play caller. I think that's the theme that we're going with. Like they, that guy has to be the guy in offense, sort of like Sean McVay with the Rams. Like it has to be that same situation, and you need to bring in a GM that understands his sole job is to build the talent on both sides and get a guy in there that knows what he's doing on defense. So if they can get those two things right, I like it. I kind of like your Clemson idea because maybe that will get Venables out of college too. And if they get somebody like that kind of on a two-for-one deal like we discussed on the last show, I like that as well. I do. Yeah, that's a great part with Venables. I didn't think about, hey, bring him over. Obviously, that's going to be probably a pay increase, even though I don't know what Venables gets at Clemson. He probably gets paid a lot. But we'll see. It's a big hire for the Falcons because they're transitioning eventually in a few years, in a couple years, maybe even next year, away from Matt Ryan. And don't, so, and don't make dumb hires like Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive coordinator. Like, you can't do that. You're wasting elite players' primes in Atlanta. Do something. Well, JT has spoken on Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> All right, so let's go to a team that is actually having success even though this past weekend they lost to the Las Vegas Raiders 40-32. to The defense was exposed, and Mahomes, believe it or not, looked somewhat human. So, JT, the Chiefs, are they the best team in the NFL, or did someone now jump them? I've, with COVID going on, it's so hard to tell who's the best team because, you know, we don't get to see all these teams sometimes, and then, you know, I'm pretty sure it's crazy for them 
their work week isn't the usual work week like in normal NFL seasons. But like my eye tells me, yes, the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. But you asked me, did they get exposed? No, I asked you if they're the best team in the NFL. I said the defense got exposed. You don't give up 40 points and you're not exposed. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to say that the defense got exposed necessarily. I actually want to put the blame for that game on Patrick Mahomes, and I'll tell you why. I've been noticing this because, fortunately, we've, I've been able to see all the Chiefs games. It just happened to be that way. They're on all the, all the time that I could see them. And one thing that I'm noticing about Mahomes, I, I started noticing it in their game where they played against the Ravens, and I noticed it in this game. I feel like ever since he got, like, this new deal and everybody's just making all this, this noise about him being, like, a special quarterback, he can do all these crazy things, I feel like every, every play that he does, like, he's making, a, like, a – it has to be like this crazy arm angle that he's throwing from. It has to be like this spectacular play. And I feel like he's doing that rather than sometimes like taking the easy play, checking it down. You know, if nobody's there, take off and get a few yards. And I noticed, especially in the Raiders game, there were a lot of times where like the running back was open in the flat and he would not hit him rather than, you know, scramble around so he could hit Travis Kelsey 50 yards with a sidearm. No look. I'm like, dude, yes, we know you're awesome, but you're going to, the way you win games is, being special within the the situation of what the defense gives you like stop trying to do too much and that's why that's why i think they lost the game are are you going to answer the did you answer the question i did what was the answer yes they're still the best team in the nfl oh thank goodness you went you did all of that for to say yes yes oh. move on well, I so bad wanted to say the Seahawks because you know they were my pick to win the Super Bowl. But the Vikings almost ran them off the field until Dalvin Cook got hurt. <laughs> they did. That's a good point. But you said the eye test. I want to go inside the numbers, not just the eye test, because I know you're not going to agree with this pick. Either way, eye test or numbers. So I'm going to go numbers for the fans, give them something to think about. It is the Los Angeles Rams, JT. It is the LA Rams. And I'll tell you why. They're the most balanced team out there. Listen, I love Russ. And I, have, I had him written down originally, and then I did some research. Because the Seahawks defense is not getting it done. So they can't be the best team. They got the best player, but they, they're not the best team right now. The Rams, I want to start with their defense. Aaron Donald, right? Best defensive player in the league. They're third in points scored, meaning points, um, giving up points. 18 points per game only. They're fourth in total defensive yards per game, just a little bit over 300. They're second in sacks per game behind my Steelers at four per game. They're getting after the quarterback. They got Aaron Donald. Did I mention that yet? They got Aaron Donald. So offensively, they're number four in yards per game. Yeah, you don't think about that, but they're back to number four. Sean McVay's working his magic. They're seventh. This is what I like the most. They're seventh in rushing yards per game. That means good balance, they're running the ball again, and they don't have Todd Gurley anymore, but they got three quality running backs that are young. And even though the NFC West is a tough division, that is why they're number one, because they're in a tough division, and their only loss, they should be undefeated. Their only loss was at Buffalo because of a bad pass interference call that we both, I believe, agreed upon. Yeah, it was terrible. Agreed on. Yeah. So they should be undefeated, JT. They're the best team in the NFL. I will say this. You had me, and with all the stats, 
but here's what I can't unsee. You have three games against the Eagles, the Giants, and Washington. Yes, I think that helps the numbers some, but I want to see them play a tougher schedule. They played Dallas the first week. We saw that. they got bailed, To me, they got bailed out in that game with a bad offensive pass interference call. And come on, the, the game against Washington was against Alex Smith, who hasn't played in 10 years. Thank, it was good to see him back on the field, but that game was a sloppy, rainy game against a third-string quarterback. It is what it is. They played the Giants. It was Daniel Jones. We know how bad they are. And um, the Eagles. The Eagles are a mess this year. I mean, their schedule hasn't exactly been like a murderer's row. They play who's on the schedule. You can't blame them for it. That's the NFL schedule. Everyone has that. The Steelers have that sort of schedule right now, right? Denver, Giants, Philly. I mean, what are you going to do? Go go compare everybody's schedule? That's who was no, on the schedule. I'm, I'm going to, you know, put you it don't in give them. You don't give them the benefit of the doubt that they've had to go to the East Coast, I believe, three times, right? Philly, Buffalo, Washington. That's tough. Come on, this early in the year with COVID I'm, going on? I'm not saying they're trash. I'm just saying pump the brakes. Well, I'm saying right now, as of week five, they're the best team in the NFL. So, talk about don't roll your eyes at me. You know I'm right, and you know it. You heard those stats. If if I had said any other team besides McVay and the Rams, you would have been like, oh, that's unbelievable. First of all, I would never do that. And second of all, look. You're a hater. You made your choice. I'm not. I'm not saying anything else. Stop trying to convince yourself that it was a good argument. Just move on. Best player is the MVP, right? So, JT, who are the favorites you th- to you? Or who do you think the favorites are for the MVP right now? Who do you got up there? It, well, Dak was in the list until his injury. Um, but I think it's a three-man race. It's Russ, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen. I think those three guys are playing at the highest level. I agree with Russ. I mean, I just want to say Russ and let's move on. But I'm going to give the fans a little bit of fun. I mean, Vegas answers the question for us, JT. His odds right now, do you know what his odds are right now for Russ to win the MVP? Hella high. (laughs) They're even. They're even. That's incredible. He has even odds to win it. The closest guy to him is is Aaron Rodgers at plus 275, then Mahomes at plus 600. Do you know what the plus 600 means? Educate us. You got to bet 100 and you win 600. Those are pretty good odds. Yeah. But Russ is even. So that goes to show you how much they believe in Russ. I agree with you. Josh Allen is up there, um, especially in up until this past Tuesday night against this the Titans. game, yeah. Against the Titans. But I told you about that team. They cannot run the ball, and they're going to need to do that come November, December, January in the Northeast. Hey, Le'Veon Bell is out there. Might want to bring him in. Good point, good point. I think Josh Allen falls off that list a little bit. But this is my sleeper one out there. Are we throwing out sleepers now? No, 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 no. no. I I just looked at the odds. I looked at the odds, so I got to throw this out there because it caught my eye. Plus, I have a sleeper too, just off the top of my head. But is, is ours the same? Let me, do you think? let me, let me. Ah, uh, it might be. It might be. Let me go first because I have the odds for it, and then you can say, "Is that okay?" Yeah, go ahead. All right, thank you. You're so nice, JT. Finally, at plus six thousand, this means you bet a hundred, you win six thousand. If this guy wins the MVP, Ryan Tannehill. Ah, uh, was not going that way, but I was thinking maybe him. I was going to go Derek Carr. There, 
Okay, that's a good one too. Four and zero. Okay, Titans are four and zero. He's got nine touchdowns, only one interception, and he's throwing for yards this year. It's not all Derrick Henry. So look no, out, it's Ryan. Derrick Henry's literally not having a good year. Who was yours? Derrick Carr, right? Yeah, I, I was going to say Derrick Carr. I, I will say this: I like Tannehill, and it's so funny you're bringing this up because I was thinking this today. You and I heard someone say this, and this is a good point. Sometimes we need to stop looking at a player based on what we see of them from the past and accept they're in a new situation. And I think as a Dolphins fan, I'm always going to see Tannehill as the guy that never panned out. But you forget, he had Adam Gase as his coach. And now, you know, looking back, that's the worst thing you can have as a player at any position. And maybe what we saw at the end of the year down the stretch in Tennessee last season where he had this this ultra-efficient stretch maybe that's who he really is with like you said a good coordinator and play caller that plays to his strengths what's what's his offensive coordinator's name arthur smith there you go we're making it a household name jt i i agree with you and and i'll look back at what you just said to your guy to your sleeper Derek carr right we kind of remember the same thing he went through the same thing last year because at the like once he started off rough last year and he finally settled in the Gruden system he was one of the most consistent quarterbacks down the stretch last year and I think another year in that system he's come out confident right and we look at the last couple years before Gruden got there oh man he struggled well he didn't have a lot of weapons he didn't have Josh Jacobs yet he didn't have Gruden calling the plays but if you remember what was it four or five years ago before he broke his leg he was an MVP candidate. So and that's, a, that, that's another guy I want to compare to Dak's comeback. Derek Carr was in the same situation on an MVP ascension, broke his leg and came back. But that's my whole point. Look how long it is now taking Carr to get there, right? Well, it's, I think it's because of the team, not necessarily because of his talent. But that defense is not very good right now in Dallas either, JT. You got you to gotta have help everywhere. Well, they're paid like they're good. <laughs> and who knows what happens after this year? Kellen Moore, maybe he becomes a coach somewhere. Then what happens? The offensive coordinator, they don't use, you know, Dak the way they that Kellen Moore does. You never know. Oh, they got old, reliable Mike McCarthy. You said he's innovative now. I said he's analytical now, not innovative. Oh, that's, oh now you want to mince words. Okay. There, there's a difference. There's a difference. All right. Sticking in the NFL. Let's go to the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer and the Vikings lost 27-26 to my dude, Russ, this past Sunday night at Seattle. Mike Zimmer had a huge decision to make with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Vikings had the lead in the fourth in those two with two minutes to go. They had fourth in inches, up five at the Seattle six. They decide to go for it on fourth and inches. They were stopped, and the rest is history as Russ drove the Seahawks down and threw the game-winning touchdown to DK Metcalf. So, JT, did Zimmer make the right move by going for it on fourth and one instead of kicking the field goal to go up eight, which Seattle would need a touchdown and convert the two-point conversion? Yeah, absolutely he made the right decision because he knew there's no way you can give the ball back to Russell Wilson with any amount of time on the clock because he's the MVP. He's going to do what he did, exactly what happened. Um, And I also understand why he probably didn't elect to kick the field goal because you're still giving the ball back to Russ. They can still tie it up with a two-point conversion. 
And I don't know if you trust the kicker. You know, it's the, the field conditions were terrible. It was a rainy game. So you've been running the ball well all night. I know Dalvin Cook's out of the game, but Madison did the same thing, just running over that defense. And he just didn't get it done. So, I mean, you can't look back and say, well, we should have did this. We should have did that. That was the right play call at the time. And I told you when it happened, I was watching that game. Madison was so focused on getting, like, the first down, he actually could have just cut it to the right and probably scored a touchdown because it was wide open. So I think a little bit of them not getting the conversion was on him. But you can't blame Zimmer for that. As much as I think he's a bad coach and he should be fired, I don't think it's on him. Yeah, it's tough to go against that decision there. We always want coaches to be aggressive and go for it. He's at the six. He's at the six yard line. Worst case, Russ got to go ninety four yards, which he did. Which he did. (laughs) But like you said, in hindsight, yeah, we look at it now, and even though it is Russ, but come on, ninety six yards or ninety four yards, and yes, it is Russ. And so I think that played into it that hey. We got to presume he's going to score the touchdown and get the two-point conversion. So we got to put the game away and not leave it up to our defense. And guess what, JT? This is the NFL. It's fourth and inches. You got you to get it. If you want to win, especially those games on the road, even though there's, there weren't fans there, you got to get it. Like you said, if you want to get to the playoffs and go where you think you should be going, you, you got to get somebody that. over. You got to show your team, I believe in you. We're being aggressive. Like you said, run somebody over. So Also, too, I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. I'm pretty sure Mike Zimmer knows he's coaching for his job at this point. He sees all his little buddies getting picked off around the league. This is my best chance to come out with a victory in Seattle. Got to do this. Yep. And like you said, even though Cook wasn't in, Madison was in, they have a good running attack. They, they were running all night. You would think that they should have got it. Tough break, though, for Mike Zimmer and the Vikings. So, JT, let's transition over to college football, if we may. Are, are you done with the NFL for now? We good? Look, you running the show. I ain't got no say, so just go on to the next one. Take That's right. Going. That's right. We're going on to college football. You said it. Miami at Clemson last Saturday night. They went to Death Valley. And died. And got beat. <laughs> they got beat. Beat down 42-17. And the score really was, was closer than, than the actual game. I feel the complete opposite. I feel like the game was closer than the score was. But we did some dumb things. Well, Clemson's defense put on a show. That's all I know. Our hopes were high, JT. And they were just crushed. So, I want you to explain to me and to the fans what happened to Miami in that game. Um. Well, first of all, I think the, Manny Diaz proved that he is not the best guy to have in a big game like that because they had essentially a bye week to prepare for this, and we came out undisciplined, shooting ourselves in the foot with dumb penalties. And then after we were, you know, after things didn't go our way, we just kind of gave up. You can see it in the team. Like, second half, I feel like we just didn't come out. Um, we're making too many mistakes. I, we had Clemson on the ropes for a lot of the game. I mean, there, how many times were they in, like, third and 10-plus in that game? And we worked so hard in the first two downs, and then we just give up some ridiculous third down a long play. That's all coaching and discipline, and that's all Manny Diaz. He's a defensive guy. And I feel um, – I know you were saying this during the game the whole time. I really – 
really truly discovered that our skill position players just are not that good. We do not have those old, you know, UM type guys where you can just say, hey, look, this guy's fast. He's physical. He can get out there and we'll just make it happen. I mean, we literally had uh, just two guys that I thought couldn't even start for high school out there trying to catch bombs. And I think it's time to play the young guys. But I think a lot of the wounds from the Clemson game were self-inflicted. I don't think Clemson really beat us as much as we beat ourselves. I would disagree with that last statement a little bit there, even though I'm a Miami fan and you bro, and I both bro, you and I both believe bro, look at look at the look at the first look at the beginning of that game. Third down, Roche gets an interception in the flats. He's offsides. How are you offsides when you know you're not even rushing the passer? You know you're dropping back and coming. He lied. He Amari lined Carter. Up. He lied. Amari up. Carter, again, another dumb targeting penalty. He's gone early in the game. Receivers not coming back to the ball one on one. Like you <laughs> that that wasn't Clemson. That was us. Well, Roche lined up in the neutral zone. I'll give you that one. The the targeting, I don't really blame Carter on that one. I, I, I believe what Diaz said, that he got pushed into Trevor Lawrence there. He got blocked into Trevor Lawrence. So it wasn't like he was going after Lawrence. But I still disagree with you because the talent, the talent is what happened. The, let's start, you said skill position. I'm glad you went there. Receivers, JT, we can't win one-on-one matchups there. They had we the better receivers. Do with those receivers. Yeah, they had the better outside receivers, and we didn't. And then well, they had the better team, yes, and, I agree. But that's what I'm saying. Talent-wise, we're still not there. And when Clemson comes in focus, you're right, Miami made a lot of self-inflicted wounds. You can't do that. And when you do, you get blown out. But talent, skill position, I believe in the safeties, as well as the receivers, big difference. And then offensive line again, JT. It's not that they played terrible, but they just – De'Ara King couldn't do anything in terms of anything longer than like a three-step drop. And so when that starts to happen, even out of the shotgun, he's not able to make plays. The O-line has to play better. Their O-line, which I thought would be suspect, showed up. So you got offensive line and skill position. That was the difference. And then it's still the Clemson coaches, man. Come on, JT. Like you said, they had two weeks to prepare Miami. I don't believe they had any sort of game plan. And if it did, it went out the window real early. You got to run the ball. And I, I love Rhett Lashley. I think he's done a great job. But it seemed like he got away from what got us to 3-0 and really quick. Meaning he got away from the running game, Cameron Harris, Cheney, and Knighton. So, got to do better with that. Stick to the game I think game we were plan. scared. I, I really think we played scared. And some of that's on the coaches, too. You got you to get your guys to not be scared. Yeah, I mean, like you, like you said, we got to not play scared. Scary things that happened in that game. Not going for that onside kick when the game was still, you know, within some sort of reach in the third quarter. Also, too. Letting somebody like Trevor Lawrence just talk to you any kind of way, like that is a quarterback. Put him in the dirt. You know, uh, we just we just got to show, look, we're going to be tough regardless, and if we're not going to win, we're still going to beat you up. So I, that's what the old Miami Hurricanes would do. Well, the other thing, too, is you saw what Clemson does. They're playing their young guys. They're playing two freshmen on the defensive well, yeah, line rotate. <laughs> no, even before that and going into this game, Miami's got to do more of that. If Wiggins is dropping passes, right – if he's dropping them, Pope's dropping them. Payton. Take, take them out. Put in Payton, right? Put in 
I think they still have Keyshawn Washington. I mean, a transfer from Washington State. They have other guys. And I know Xavier Restrepo struggled with the punts, but put him in the slot. Dumbest you know, play like, of the night. <laughs> but, but you know, he's playing a position. You know why he's there? Because the guy in front of him, the upperclassman, Pope, was messing up too. So I'd rather see the young guy make a mistake and learn from it than a guy who's been there a year or two and hasn't learned. And Wiggins and Pope still keep dropping passes. So put the young guys in. Got to teach them not a lesson, but if they're not learning from it, then you got to try something new every once in a while. Or watch somebody else do what we're coaching them to do. So let's stay in college football. And this is something that came out uh, late Wednesday. 21 Gator players have tested positive uh, leading up to this Saturday's game against LSU in Florida. So now the game has been postponed. And Nick Saban was found out late Wednesday as well, has also tested positive for COVID and he reportedly is asymptomatic as well as the AD for Alabama. So JT, how will this affect college football? Not only this week, but for the foreseeable future. I don't know how much it's going to affect college football because the conferences aren't, aren't mixing anyway. They're all, they're playing everything in-house. So Obviously, the SEC has an outbreak. The ACC is not going to – it's not going to affect them. For college football, just for the SEC, I think that puts the season in serious jeopardy because if Florida has 21 players that tested positive – and I'm hearing a rumor that they – Florida is self-reporting that players were reporting COVID symptoms before the A&M game as early as last Thursday. So, why are you giving me that smile? Interesting, man. That's interesting. SEC will do anything to play. So so that's already out there that the players were symptomatic up to Thursday before the A&M game, which happened last Saturday. So if 21 Gators are positive, I'm assuming some of the A&M guys are going to be positive soon, too. If Nick Saban is positive, I'm assuming some of the players on Bama are positive, which I'm assuming – it's just going to be a widespread outbreak in the SEC and they're going to have to shut it down. And I'm glad they found this out before, you know, the Gators went all Dan Mullen, you know, open up the 80,000 fans to have them come to the swamp. Cause you know, we got this under control and we need fans. Uh, no, you don't, you should be playing with no fans. That should be absolutely the thing to go with. Uh, I think the SEC to me, their season is done. No, we said the same. You said the same thing about Major League Baseball after the first two weeks where the Marlins played two games. Everybody else played 12. And guess what? They got through it. The NFL, guess what? They're reworking the schedule. They'll you get know, through you it. Know what the difference if you're, is, though? Hold on. Hold on. If you're already saying Florida guys reported symptoms and nothing was done, what's going to make the SEC stop if it's Ole Miss? If it's Mississippi State, if it's Auburn, you think they're going to cancel the Iron Bowl? No. You know what they're going to do? They're going to do what they did for this game, postpone it. They're talking about December 12th because they know, hey, the Big Ten and Pac-12, they haven't even started yet. You think their season's going to go smooth? No. They're not going to get done until mid-December either. So we can postpone a couple games, and we'll still be in line for the college football playoffs because the Big Ten and Pac-12 still have to play. To them, it is – even though to us it's a big deal, to them it's not a big deal. 
they will figure out a way. If there's a will, there's a way. And there's definitely a will in SEC football, and they will figure out a way. I mean, it's hard to go against the whole, you know, we're going to just trudge through it for greed aspect. I agree with that part. I just think it's it's going to be hard to have these you know, these reports so public and, you know, the players aren't getting paid. I think that's just going to be really, really difficult to keep it going. To me, if an SEC school keep the players like 10 or more keep testing positive on the regular, I think they're like some serious he's going to come down. Somebody is going to cave and shut it down for the season. We'll see. We will see. Well, let's go over to basketball. We saved this for one of our last big topics. The NBA finals concluded this past Sunday night with JT's Heat being beat 106 to 93 in game six of the finals. The Lakers take it four games to two, giving AD his first title, LeBron James his fourth in the Lakers, their 17th title, tying the Celtics for the most titles in NBA history. JT, I want to focus on LeBron James here because he just completed his. 17th season now has four titles. How does this title in this season affect his legacy? Or I guess, what does this title do for his legacy? I think it obviously inches him closer to Jordan, but I think what it shows is that he's still, he's still the man. And I think for his legacy, if getting one with the Lakers in a season like this, because, I mean, I know people are going to say, like, oh, there's an asterisk because of the bubble. You know, this this championship don't really count. I disagree. I actually think this championship is one of the harder ones to win because it is such a unusual situation. And I'm pretty sure not everyone was able to make the adjustments in the bubble to still play at a high level. So the fact that LeBron kept the team focused, he stayed the same and, you know, basically came out and dominated the Heat. Um, it just shows that he's just a he's an all-time great. But to win it with three different teams, uh, two in the East, one in the West, I mean, how could you not put him at number two at the very least right now? Well, I think it's pretty clear. You know, I'm not a huge MJ fan. I'm not a huge LeBron fan at this point because I thought he should have stayed in Miami. So when he did that, I, I got away. stayed in Miami, he probably would have caught Jordan already. I got away from being a big LeBron fan when he left Miami. And I know that's probably not logical, but – yeah, but if he goes to the Magic next, you'll buy a jersey and he'll of be course, a player. Of course, please go to Orlando. Let me ask you a question. You actually won a title oh, in Orlando oh, already. Let's, yeah, let's say if he, he says, you know, I'm just going to – he's going to start going places that never won it before and I'm going to win a title with them. If he wins a title with Orlando and he has five, is he better than Jordan? Well, listen, I've always made the point that there's an argument to be made right now, even when he oh, was we've, sitting we've at that three. Yeah. yeah, so let, let's not go down that road, though. Let's not go down the MJ-LeBron road right now just focus on this title and his legacy i think it helps tremendously along with all his other accolades that come with it for example he averaged in this finals 29.8 points 11.8 rebounds 8.5 assists he shot 41.7 percent from behind the arc he's the only player to win finals mvp with three different teams game six final stat line 28 points 14 boards 10 assists he finished – LeBron has now 12 NBA final games where he went for more than 25, 10, and 5. JT, 
Nobody has more than four. People always want to talk about Jordan. Yes, the guy can score, no doubt. And everyone thinks he made his teammates better. Sure, MJ did. But does he make them better than what LeBron has done? He got Tristan Thompson max money. We're talking Tristan Thompson max money. All right? And again, he has 12 games, 25, 10, and 5. He Look at the guys he had around him this year. Danny Green, nobody wanted him anymore. Toronto didn't want him, and he just won them the title. Alex Caruso, nobody wanted that guy. Rondo, nobody wants Rondo anymore. All right? Morris, nobody wanted more. Like, he is making players elevate their game to a level that they didn't even believe they can get to. All right? And so well, – Well, he's elevating them, but also he's, he's putting them in a role. You know, it's like, look, you're going to come to play with me. You're not going to have to worry about doing as much. Just get ready when I pass you the ball and shoot it. Hey, MJ did that same thing with guys like Horace Grant, right? Mm-hmm. With Dennis Rodman, Oh, he right? did worse things with Horace Grant. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, this playoff list, LeBron, first in points, sixth in rebounds, second in assists, first in steals. We always talk about MJ's defensive prowess. What about LeBron's? Oh, LeBron, LeBron, bring, LeBron no one, is a defensive beast. He always has just highlight real plays in the playoffs. No one wants to bring that defense. up. Now, if we're talking specifically this title, he's got four now. And I know what everyone's going to say. Oh, four out of whatever it is now. Oh, he's like, he's like four and seven in the yeah. finals. Like, who cares? Listen, titles are titles at the end of the day. How many straight finals has he gone to? Yeah, at this point, it is what? Four with the Heat. Four with the Cavs. But you got to remember, he didn't make it last year. So, there's yeah. the streak. It's straight, yeah. But but anyway, listen, this title does wonders. Forget the whole COVID thing, and some people won't give him credit for it. But the fact now that he's got four, took three different teams, got the Lakers there and won it for them within two. In the year that Kobe died. Yeah. I, I mean, this goes a long way to it, even though I don't like saying it. But – Listen, I feel like I'm unbiased because I'm not an MJ fan and I'm not a LeBron fan. I'm not saying LeBron is better than Jordan, but at the same time, there's an argument to be made there. I think there's always been an argument to be made. I just think that – Not to people, a lot of people. Not to a yeah, lot but of it's, people. Yeah, but it's always people that are just Jordan truthers and fans. Like I say this to you all the time. People will never let anybody be better than Jordan. It doesn't matter. This is some people that are just like that. Yep. They won't let anybody be better than him. And you just look at all the stuff LeBron has done that you route it off. Like, look at his stats, where he ranks. He what you, what you just read off as far as what he averaged in this series, and you've seen what he's averaged in some other final series, people just gloss over them because LeBron has made those numbers seem so normal for him. Like, people don't average triple doubles in NBA finals. Like, that don't, that don't happen. And Jordan, Jordan didn't average triple doubles in NBA finals. And I know what... MJ people are going to say, and I don't want to make this an MJ LeBron debate, but he sounds like he's making it an MJ LeBron debate. And he sounds like he's a LeBron James fan now, but go ahead. You're unbiased. You kind of went there because people always want to say, well, MJ averaged like 39 or 40 points in a finals. Yeah. Okay. That is great. That's unbelievable. I'm not taking that away from him, but what was, what were his other stats? So you know, you, you know want to bring up that stat. Let's look at LeBron's triple double stats, and don't just sit, sit there and say, "Oh, they're just stats. Anyone can get a triple double." No, no. I just read you that can, stat. 
Can I can I back you up with something? And if I'm if I'm completely off base, just shut me down. I think the biggest thing that I noticed with LeBron fans versus Michael Jordan fans and why I think it's so hard for people to overtake MJ is with LeBron, everything that he has done in his career is on display and people are going to throw it out there. There are I feel when people are discussing Michael Jordan, we always get like the cliff notes version of his career. It's like, oh, you know, he was six titles. He was this. He was air. Da, da, da. And they just leave out like any time that he struggled. It's just, you know, I'll give you the preview of Jordan. Here you go. It's this great, great story. Him just winning, winning, winning. You forgot he was a loser first. And I feel that LeBron, his, the down parts of his career, which are very few, the down parts of his career, people want to put them on the same levels as his highs. And I don't think that's fair. I think what hurts LeBron too is when he left Cleveland. I think a lot of people lost respect for him and then said right then and there, no matter what else you do, you'll never yeah. be as good as MJ. Yeah. But, and I heard, I, I would hear people say, Oh, Jordan would never do that. But also too, Jordan didn't have to because the best players were in Chicago. They went to him. <laughs> yeah. They had Scottie Pippen. LeBron never had anyone even half as good. And Scottie Pippen's a great player, hall of famer. Don't get me wrong, but he never, LeBron never had anyone half as good as Scottie Pippen, let alone even as good as Horace Grant in his first Absolutely. run with the with the Cavs. He had he had Ilgowskis and Booby Gibson. Right. Who so, if the Bulls signed those two players, Michael Jordan would be fighting somebody. So ah, that's I guess that's enough for that topic. We'll we'll leave the MJ LeBron. You know it's gonna be a whole hour of us talking about LeBron <laughs> yes, and MJ and yes. we ain't got time. Yes. So we'll do the MJ LeBron um, debate maybe once LeBron retires. Oh, before you move on, um, scale of one to 10, how much more respect do you have for Jimmy Butler after this series? Is he a top 10 player? On a scale of one to 10, it's at a 10 now. Mm -hmm. Is he a top 10 player? I've always felt he was top 15. So after this performance, I don't know where he ranks in the top 10, but I'll put him in the top 10. I, so I only reason I asked that is a couple people sent me a list of the top 20 players and I saw who was in the top eight and I'm like, Ugh, it's tough because Dame Lillard wasn't even in there. We forget he's been lights out too. Listen, it, it's tough, but if you're looking at everything now, I'm going to put him in the top 10. And yes, am I basing it? Am I basing everything Re on, on this? Prisoner of moment. Yeah, I get you. No, no, no. Am I, am I basing everything on this run? No. See, that's the difference. I've told you before, I had him in the top 15 before, before all of this. So now that he's done this, it does escalate him. But my thing is, I'm not putting him in only because of what happened. That's ESPN, I'm telling you, this guy is an oracle. Come get uh, him. Enough, enough. Quit buttering me up. All right. Can we move on now to the NFL Week 6 you preview? You, you running the show. Go all ahead. Right. All right. That's what we're going to do then. JT, I've already kind of hinted at it. Preview, week six, NFL, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking to see which team is going to test positive for COVID and then they're going to have their game postponed. <laughs> no, but all serious, I, I, am, I am looking at that because I feel like that's the thing every week. At least one game gets out of whack. But, no, a few things I'm looking at. One really good game this weekend, uh, your Steelers versus Browns. Browns are – you are a year ahead on the Browns being this good. You are you are a year behind. So, 
I really want to see if the Browns are legit, and I really want to see if you guys are a playoff team that could possibly win the AFC North. So, I that's the that's the number one game I'm watching. Um, another thing I want to see, I want to see how the Falcons do. They're zero four. They're playing the Vikings with. They're zero and five. Get it right. Zero five. Zero five. Sorry. Zero five. They they lost so many. I lost count. But I want to see how they do in their first game when everybody in the building has been fired, does that light a fire under the players to play better? You know, um, how does, uh, how does, how does the play calling change? Like what changes? And then um, the, the third thing that I'm looking for is the Colts. Phillip Rivers, they're, they, they are what? Three and two. But Phillip Rivers has looked terrible. And I, I, the first, the first time that I'm willing to admit that I think he needs to, be benched and not be a starter anymore was that game against Cleveland last week. And I'm really worried. I want to see how he plays. Cause I feel he is almost on the borderline of like some like Jake DeLome looking situation where I think he's just going to start turning into an interception machine. And it's going to be bad. And I don't think they're that far from bringing in Jacoby Brissett. So I want to see how much longer Phillip rivers lasts. He's on the Mitch Trubisky watch. It, you know, we talked about, Again, NFL veteran quarterbacks approaching the cliff, maybe falling off this year. And I had said Phillip Rivers, and I had said the reason why he's trying to do Phillip River things that he did when he was 25, when he was 29, when he was 32. He's still trying to do it. You saw it in the Cleveland game. In these, in in this day and age, at his age, he's getting inter- he's getting picked off. I think their offense, is, their offense is broken, too. It, all of a sudden, I look up, and their team just looks old. Like, T.Y. looks old. They, like, Jack Doyle looks old. Their rookie running back looks old. Everybody just looks old and slow. Maybe it's the jerseys, but they just don't – they look like they don't have any explosive players. Yeah, it doesn't offense. look like they have much speed. You're right. You're right. I, I see that, too, unless Cleveland made them look like that. Um, I, I'll start on one of yours. I've got three – Steelers, Browns, it's in Pittsburgh. But you know why I'm interested to see? Not just to see if Cleveland's the real deal, but Miles Garrett against Big Ben. And there's going to be fans in the stands. It's in Pittsburgh. They had fans last week. It's interesting to see that dynamic, even is though my, it's not. Is uh, Mason Rudolph going to be active for this game? I'd imagine he will be. Oh, all right. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's interesting to see, even though it won't be 70,000 Steeler fans, but there will be fans. See how they react to Miles Garrett and see if the Steelers can protect Ben from Miles Garrett. Number two, I'm interested to see how the Cowboys come out in play. All right? I'm interested to see how they come out in play. Well, at least Andy Dalton gets to play Arizona, so it won't be, you know, a defensive gauntlet. And they're down Chandler Jones for the season. Right. So, I mean, that's, that is a, a big loss for the Cardinals, and that's a Monday night game. So, bright lights, Andy Dalton. I want to see how the Cowboys come out after losing their leader, losing Dak in such a bad, gruesome way to see if, hey, they can get back up on the horse and get a W because, again, Mm -hmm. that defense isn't playing great. The wheels can come off real fast. And the third thing, Chiefs at Bills. goes back to what you were saying. Will they even play? Right? Will they even play? But the Bills need to get a victory here because guess what? Now they would lose two in a row. They play two of the better AFC teams. The wheels can come off the wagon on that team as well. 
correct me if I'm wrong. We'll have to go back and run the tape. Did I pick this game as the you asked in the in the preview show for the NFL season, a game that that we're, that we're not looking at that will decide like playoff implications? And I think I picked this game. Did I pick this game? Uh, well, we and you were that. like, oh, it's too early in the season, and I was like, they could be fighting for like we AFC. Did, but we did that when the NFL schedule came out, and that was a while ago. So if you're making ac- accusations like that or allegations like that of your own picks, you, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you got. He's like, you, so so basically, what he's saying is, I can't definitively tell you you're wrong, like right now. But if you did, it, you were lucky. That's an allegation. Okay, I got you. But no, we can you, run it back. You have to come back with the with the tape on that. I'm not going to get it for you. But anyway, I believe at the end of the day, it's not going to matter, JT, because, yes, it's too early, but, but no, 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 I'm telling no, you, the, bills, your, the wheels your, are going to be coming reason. off here. You don't have to prove I'm wrong. Just go to your reason of why you want to see that game. Well, I did. I think this is an important game for Buffalo because if they don't win – that doubt, that confidence that they grew in the first, what, four weeks of the season? Josh Allen, we said he's having that bravado, that confidence. He didn't look so confident last night. And if they lose again, big to the Chiefs, they're going to know we can't run with the big dogs in the in the AFC. Yeah, their their defense is – it's weird they're not that yeah. good. Not, and Tredavious White didn't play last night, and I think that is a big reason why. But they got a lot of injuries on defense. Um, maybe they'll get healthy. But yeah, if they can't get it together on that side of the ball, they won't be able to hang with the big, big boys, especially in the AFC. Yep, I agree. I agree. So let's go to our weekend predictions now that we've given the fans some insight on week six and what to look for. JT, I know you didn't get this list. The production meeting, you left early. You had other more important things to do, so you didn't see the list I did. So you're seeing these for the first time. So this is a really impromptu weekend predictions for JT. Georgia, if they play, which right now they're slated to, Georgia at Alabama, who you got? I don't think that game's going to happen, but uh, I'm going to go with Georgia. Ooh, okay, okay. I'm going to go Alabama, and I'll tell you why. I don't believe in that Georgia offense. That Georgia offense is not the Ole Miss offense. Yeah, I don't think it is, but I'm not so sold on Bama either. I think they can run the ball, but we'll see. That was really the only big college football game. So let's get to the NFL. We mentioned it earlier. Browns at Steelers. Who you got? It's a home game for you guys. I'm going to say the Browns just because I I know people probably won't think this will happen. I can see OBJ and Jarvis Landry giving those Steelers corners problems. I'm going to go the Browns as well. The Steelers against the Eagles worried me a little bit. Yeah, that was a that was a weird game to me. Yeah. I thought you guys would just have them wrapped up in the, in two and a half quarters. The offense has looked good, but this might be the Steelers' biggest challenge against the defense, meaning the Steelers' offense against the Browns' defense. And then I don't like what I'm seeing in the secondary, like you said, of the Steelers. That Eagles game when it when they got up, I think 17 points. Eagles' offense couldn't get going. They really only had the one big run by Miles Sanders. And all of a sudden, they've got guys we've never heard of getting 10 catches for 150 yards. I still don't yeah. know the guy's name. It was so, Flugerman. I don't know his name. <laughs> I think Fulgham. So, Fulgham. so uh, 
I, I'm really concerned, and I think the Browns are coming in. Steelers are still favored by Vegas, but I think the Browns do get the upset there. Can we can we bet on that game? Because I'll tell you real quick, three things that worry me about the Steelers long term. One, James Conner looks bad. Two, I don't know where the hell Juju Smith-Schuster is. I feel like he's not even playing for you guys. And then also, Deontay Johnson is always hurt. Like, who do you guys have on offense that's healthy? Chase Claypool can't score four touchdowns every week. Yeah, it is a concern. That is a concern. So that's why I think it's the 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 Browns get the victory there, which I hope does not happen. But again, I'm predicting with my mind, not my heart, as we saw last week with the Clemson-Miami game. So Packers at the Bucks. who you got? Mm, that's tough because the Bucks have a good defense, but they just lost uh, Vita Vey. I'll go with the Packers. They're on a roll. They have, they're healthy to come out of a bye. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Packers too. I just think right now they're the better team. Um, so that's that one. And then Chiefs at Bills. Chiefs, yeah. All right. I'm going to go Chiefs as well. Like I said, I'm not believing in the Bills right now, and I think the Chiefs get that uh, that rebound game, um, and the Bills are in trouble. So, JT, before – that was weekend predictions. Before we get the trivia time, do you have a shout-out this week? I'm going to I'm gonna make an executive decision. JT, this shout-out comes from both JT and myself. The shout-out goes to Alex Smith. Almost two years to get back into an NFL game. Had 17 surgeries, almost loses his leg, almost loses his life, but comes back in like a trooper, standing ovation from his family, which was nice to see. Absolutely. Takes, takes that sack from Aaron Donald, gets up as if nothing has happened over the past two years. So shout out to Alex Smith. We wish you the best and continued success and health. Uh, this season and always so you go with that shout out jt absolutely there we go there we go i told, someone, I told you somebody somebody runs the show someone's got to make executive decision all right trivia time we haven't done this in a while so let's go trivia time everyone's favorite segment except jt's or except jt so jt baseball season winding down who had the top-selling baseball jersey this season? Um, I actually do not know. AL or NL? I'll give you a hint. NL, that's your only hint. National League, you got four, three, two, and one. Uh, Kershaw? Mookie Betts, right team, wrong player. It's uh, Mookie Betts. it was a Dodger player. WNBA, we shouted them out last on last week's show. WNBA season, WNBA season is over officially. Who had the top selling WNBA jersey this season, JT? Um, Sue Bird. There you go, Sue All Bird. Right. All right, I love her. All right, she is a popular player. All right, and the last one gonna throw some tennis in here jt you really trying to mess me up go ahead iga swiatek is the youngest female tennis player and i'm not sure if i got her name right but i think it's close enough is the youngest female tennis player to win the french open since who 
Uh, Venus Williams. Nope. Got to go a little bit further back. Um, oh, um, uh, you want another hint? Ingus? Nope. You want another hint? Yeah. It is an American female. Um, Chris Everett? Nope. A little bit too far back. Monica Sellis. That's the name I was looking for. Sellis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, right. I was. It was between Celis and like uh, was it different or something like that. I was. I was. I was trying to go back to the nineties. I would have probably guessed Jennifer Capriati, but you got one out of three right. Definitely not to guess Kornikova. Not bad. She don't win anything. So not bad. One out of three right. That's better than what you normally do. So JT, we covered a lot of topics, a lot of different subjects in this show. Great job as always. To the listeners and fans out there, thank you for listening to us. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember, you can follow us on social media, our handle, JT. And the Don, we can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.